Welcome to Restoration Basics. This is the preparatory podcast where three of us just kind of discuss the foundational steps, foundational teachings, and the gospel that we have here in the restoration movement. Last episode, we kind of covered the kingdom of God in a different setting than we normally do, because normally we're going through the Book of Mormon chapter by chapter and discussing those things. Last time we talked just about the general topic of the kingdom of God, and tonight we have a different topic. Before we get into that, though, we want to shout out Jason's wife, Amanda, for buying us pizza for the episode, which was very kind of her, and uh, we're able to do this on a full stomach. So if this episode is better than any of the past episodes, please feel free to write in and say, get more pizza. That's all the uh, inclination. <laughs> um, I'm joined with two others here. My name is Sam Jordison. Andrew Smith. Jason Kane. Andrew you kind of said you take the lead on this this topic, and so I'm just going to turn it over to you about what we're talking about tonight. Well, to start out, um, it's just a, a topic that it really means a lot to me, and, and because I've had a testimony about said topic, and that is our calling to be joyful through our trials or hardships in life. And this comes back from a year and a half ago. Uh, it's when I was in Michigan. I was asked with a friend of mine to come up and help teach the young adult class uh, at the reunion up there and um, so we went and and if any of you don't know me I have a real big problem saying no to things and so this summer was the same way I, I I was having a real hard time saying no to things so I had been to a camp right before this and another camp right before that so this was my third week right in a row of not being at home not being with my family and because of the situation my family was in at the at that time, I was, you could say, bummed uh, about it. Uh, <laughs> I was at a place where I was like, I just want to be home. And I was just getting kind of angsty, you know. And it didn't help that um, the first week of that three-week, like, obstacle course that was in front of me, I got sick. And it was terrible because I was in charge of, like, nine-year-olds the first week. And I lost my voice that week. And the second week, I was co-teaching a class with Sam and another one of our friends, or two. And um, no, just one. And um, then we had lots of responsibilities at that camp. And I lost 115% of my energy. And I I was sleeping like all day. Because at that camp, you were were deathly sick. And we got there. We rode together. And you, uh, or when we got there... I got in first, I remember this, and there was no, there's only one bottom bunk left. <laughs> yeah. And neither of us wanted to climb to the top <laughs> of the of the bunk every morning. And so we were like, oh, you have a hammock. And so we just <laughs> tied the hammock to the beds. And we're like, okay, we'll switch off and on. And then I got sunburnt really <laughs> yeah. badly on my back. And so I couldn't sleep on my, I couldn't sleep in the hammock. And so what would happen is you were so sick that you would sleep in the bed during the day and then you would go to the hammock at night. Is how, so you were already depleted, right? Of, right. Yeah. Of sleep. Yeah. And, on top of being sick. And then, I mean, we get home from that and I seriously had like an hour and a half to do my laundry and then go to sleep and then wake up at five in the morning and then drive to Michigan. I mean, and so I was, <laughs> I was dead. Like there was no reason that I shouldn't have been able to say, Hey, I'm not feeling up to it. I mean, like, yeah. and I don't know why I went, but I did. And um, we got there and I was, 
I was not in the mood to serve these people <laughs> at all. I was just like, I, I am better off at home. My family needs me around more. I am no use here. And um, I was getting down, obviously. And uh, as I said, my, my friend and I went up there together to teach this class. And he was feeling fine at the time. But before everybody started arriving at the reunion, I had... Uh, texted one of the guys we drove up with and I said, um, asked him for some ibuprofen or Tylenol or something. And he said, sure, we can come. Then him and uh, another guy came up and they were like, well, we know you asked for Tylenol. Do you want administration as well? And I said, yes, please. And this was like the fifth time I had been administered to in the three week period. And yet I was so desperate. I was like, please, anything. <laughs> and they administered to me and prayed for me, put their hands on my head and, and, I felt absolutely nothing, and they they ended their prayer that said amen, and uh, we're about to leave, and my friend stops them before they leave the room, and he says, actually, could I be administered to you as well? And I knew he was kind of going through a hard time at that point in his life, and really struggling with, I guess, just a basic, his basic relationship with God, where he, he wanted to know where he stood, I think, with God. So they, they administered to him as well. They put their hands on his head and prayed for him. And I mean, as soon as they started praying, the spirit was there in such power. Um, he, he started crying. I was crying maybe because I was so sick, but probably not. And, um, they, they ended the prayer and, um, there was just this new countenance of this friend that I had. And, and he had, he had felt the love of God in a way that he really needed to feel at that time. And I looked at, I realized the steps that had been necessary for us to get to that point in time and for all of the pieces that had to fall into place for um, these two guys that come up to our room at that time to give him the courage to ask for administration when he wouldn't have otherwise. And I thought to myself, man, I love my friend enough that if this was the only way for him to get this blessing, then I would take these three weeks of terrible hell sickness a hundred times more. And it was simply just because I knew I, I, I was shown a better perspective of the situation. And the theme uh, for this week or for this year's reunion in Michigan, which I was asked back for that same class again, uh, was Jesus's calling. And so we studied deep, we deeply went into those things that Jesus has called us to do. And I feel like one of the things we don't often talk about is that he's called us to be of good cheer. You know, we talk about the meaning of different trials. Well, there might not be a bigger meaning than Somebody in your life maybe just needs to see you be happy through a hard time in your life because there is a strength that that you have that they don't see. And I had never really gotten that before because people ask, why me? Why me? Why me? Well, maybe it's just because your reaction is going to be of some use to someone in your life. Maybe it's because you have this perspective uh, that needs to be changed and it's not about the trial. It's about your reaction to the trial. It's about your response to God through that trial. Are you going to turn your back on him when things are hard? Are you, when you're going through that furnace of affliction, as we talked about in First Nephi, 
are you going to get out? Are you going to jump away because it's hot? I mean, and these are things that we really need to settle before we can move on with our relationship with God. And I really feel like that's important when talking about perspective or, or our relationship. And so, I don't, I don't know, that that was just a really big thing, really big realiz- realization, sorry, for me, because it just brings out such a bigger purpose for um, the things that we go through, you know? I don't know about you guys. I'm sure there have been things that you've gone through and you've just been like, why? Why did this happen? I mean, like, I feel like it, there was no real purpose to this. And maybe there wasn't, except for God was like, hey, remember when I said the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost? Maybe you should take me at my word. Maybe you should realize that I know what I'm talking about. And so if you strive for the the Holy Ghost in this time of trial, you'll receive that joy no matter your circumstance, no matter your station in life, no matter how sick you are and how many miles away you are from home. And so um, I guess I'm preaching at this point. But anyway, that that's really what... Um, well. Uh- just like the scriptures say, you count all joy when you fall into affliction. Here, I'll read it, verse 2 and and 3, 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into many afflictions, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And so it's just a teaching moment for you. I mean, if you can learn to count it all joy, it's going to teach you. But it's like the outward appearance that Alma talks about, that countenance being changed that you talked about when... When your friend was uh, was given that blessing after that laying on of hands, that his little countenance was changed. That joy that that you're able to bear changes your countenance, and then it's a testimony to other people. It testifies of God working with you, of giving you more patience, of you being stronger, a better person because of it, going on to perfection. I think that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, God always meets you wherever you're at in your trials and your tribulations in your good times he'll he'll be there and so you shouldn't be discouraged when you're going through those trials even though it's hard and it's natural and because some of your greatest blessings will come from that and it's like the beginning of the story it's not the end it's the beginning of the testimony that you'll probably receive is the trial that you're going through and this topic is something that has been big in my life too because I've gone through, you know, at eight years old, going through a diagnosis of type one diabetes. And, and I've gone, I've used that experience and living with that every day to kind of teach me the lesson that it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter what's beating you down. You have to be joyful or else you can't go anywhere, really. You can't move forward. You can't have a great relationship with God because you're you're so focused on yourself, and and that in of itself is a form of pride that you think so much of yourself that your your own issue is bigger than what God can do for you, and and that's not the right mindset to have. You just have to look for God in those times. Well, we know that God is bigger than the boogeyman because VeggieTales said so. Exactly, and He's bigger than the other things too <laughs> that's right uh, he's watching out for you man. <laughs> <laughs> i never actually saw that that veggie tales film i just remember the title because it was kind of memorable um great story i know <laughs> so you're counting it all joy you're doing what you're supposed to let's just say from a non 
well, it's not, it, it, I shouldn't even say non-Christian perspective because even within our faith, you have people who wonder why do good things or why do why do good things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why why are they forced to count it all joy when they're doing what they're supposed to? Wouldn't it be easier for them to just have a joyful experience to count it all joy? Well, I think the easy answer to that is that as we've been going through the Book of Mormon, we talked a little bit about this. The rain falls on the righteous and the wicked. You know, everything that God pours out falls upon everybody. Um, and so, good times, bad times, everybody has them. It's our reactions to those times that really determine who we are and what our life is going to be. I mean, you can have you can have a million good times in your life. You can have so say you have two people and they're both the same age. They've had a million good things. One guy's had a million good things in his life, and one really, really, really bad thing in his life. And the other guy's had lots of little bad things in his life. What? maybe just one good thing in his life. I mean, it's not about what happens to us. It's about what we do with those things. And so, I I don't know. I Going back to, I think, just what Jason was saying, he's really answering the question before it was asked, is that um, even that question, I think, is a little bit of a sense of pride, not seeing the perspective of God and looking to say, well, why is this happening to, to me? And aren't I justified by the things that I'm doing? Well, you you may be in the long term if you're being righteous, but that doesn't exempt you from trials. I mean, look at Joseph of Egypt. He's the biggest poster boy of he was doing fine before and he was thrown through the the runner, you know? I mean, he was sold into captivity. He was accused of all these different things. He was thrown into jail two or three times. He was, I mean, just yeah. beaten down and beaten down and beaten down. And would you say he was not a righteous man? He saved his family. He saved the line. I mean, it, it it wasn't that the circumstances were there. It was his response to the circumstances. That that's a good if you if you can use um, the the past stories because that really shows you. I think the full picture because we know we we may have mentioned it on a past episode how you can put put that uh that scripture from the Doctrine and Covenants section twenty two twenty three b that God's work. And his glory is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. And if you use that as your lens, what you're looking through, you can look through that and say, in the moment, okay, this bad thing happened to Joseph. This bad thing happened to Joseph. This bad thing happened to Joseph. Oh, but wait, all these things put together actually saved the house of Israel, actually brought his brothers out of the land into Egypt where they were able to live or be saved from the famine. Um and in our own lives, you know, we don't know all the time why we have to go through something, but we know to what end. I like to say it's it's for if we can find a way to to have that relationship with Christ that brings us even closer to him in that trial. And that's to spend eternity with him, to have him in our heart with us right now and going forward. Yeah, and you're not going to find anyone in the scriptures that God has used that hasn't gone through any trials. And sometimes in the scriptures and in our lives too, when you start following God, a lot of the times that the trials follow after that. It, it's with, um, well, like with Moses, he was living a life of luxury for a while. And then once God intervenes in his life, then he goes through a lot of trials and uh, loses his family. And God, God just asks you to do hard things sometimes. And that 
shouldn't be something that discourages you. And I, I keep saying that, but if you can somehow just have that mindset of this is the Lord using me, then you'll be able to kind of see the joy in those trials. I, I haven't had anything as bad as, uh, as being diagnosed with, with anything like you have. And actually my life's been really, <laughs> really easy and never, I think I know we've talked about that on the past episode that I've never gone through anything that Nephi went through, never gone through anything that a lot of these people went through. But I think about, you know, taking joy in everything, even in your afflictions or your trials. And, and I think about the kind of mundane tasks. Those aren't as hard as you think to put joy into. When I was working, I used to work at High V, and, and I've shared this testimony a lot, um, either in prayer services or in sermons or with just people on the street, is that I used to, I used to work at High V in the meat department. And towards the end of my time there, I worked there about three years, but um, kind of in the middle of that, everything I did was getting, you know, customer would come up and have like a ridiculous request. I would think in my mind, like, hey, you want four pounds of chicken tenderized twice and then you want them bagged in quarter pound increments. And I was like, oh my goodness, you know, just, <laughs> just take the chicken home, cut it up yourself and tenderize it. it. You know, this is not something I should be worried about. And it just got to the point where I could notice that I was not being as nice as I could with these customers, which in the, in the grand scheme of things is a really, really small thing, but um, it is something I had control over. And so I, I had to take a, a tangible or close to home example that I could apply to my life. And I did that with my mom because I imagined her coming up to the counter and, you know, asking a stranger, can you do this ridiculous request for me? And I just imagined every customer that had a request like that, you know, how would I want my mother to be treated? And I'm not saying that would work in, in every situation. And there were definitely a, t- a few times when I was like, okay, mom, if you did this, I would be like, <laughs> I would be not on your side. Probably this is a, a really lengthy, ridiculous request, but it worked for for the most part, and I was able very quickly to turn that around and and find some joy in, in serving people. And it doesn't go a long way, right? You know, that's just a, a guy doing his very insignificant job that anyone could be replaced and anyone could do. And you know, my smiling face probably didn't didn't change much in in that regard. But it actually, I got to see some of the fruits of of that endeavor because we had a lady who joined the department close to my time of leaving and. And she actually was only there for a little bit. But before she left, she said, hey, Sam, I want to talk to you. And so we were talking and she said, um, you know, before I started working at Hy-Vee, I actually moved here from Tennessee and I came into Hy-Vee just browsing and, and I needed some meat and you actually helped me. And your cheerful smile and your happy go lucky attitude, I guess, uh, was what inspired me to work here at, to apply at Hy-Vee because I was like, man, he seems to be happy. And I really didn't know what to say. That was really cool. And she ended up leaving. We finished that conversation. And then I was like, man, I would have so much more to say to her that it wasn't, it wasn't high V nothing about serving chicken makes me that happy. But you know, and, and next time I see her, if I, if I get to see her again, I can have that conversation with her, but, and now I'm ready for the next time, but taking something really tangible and, and focusing it on something that I know needs to change was really a help for me. And I know that won't, that won't always work in, in the situation. Sometimes will be afflictions that are and are really, really big, and then you'll really have to lean on God. And that's okay, because that's what God wants. That's what He wants you to do, lean on God. One last thing, I think, um, just to kind of wrap up that question, maybe the episode two, is that 
when we ask that question, why do good things happen? Or why, <laughs> you got me saying it. Why do bad things happen to good people? You know, our, our viewpoint on bad is based upon circumstance. And so when God sees something, he says it's good. I mean, he was looking at his creation who are going to break his heart. And he said it was still good. I mean, it not that crazy? I mean, like we think he said, oh, it's good. And he was talking about the trees and the grass and the water. And he was, but he was also talking about us who would choose him maybe half of the time, maybe half of the time. Mm-hmm. And it just goes to show, you know, that good in God's eyes and good in our, our own eyes, uh, they don't really match up. And so when we say bad things happen to us, we don't have that perspective. And so from an early age, I don't, I can't tell you why, um, but I think I've always really been drawn to, to gaining perspective um, or asking for perspective, a good perspective from God. And I really feel like that's been a really big blessing in my life because when the times, when there have been times when I've had that perspective, I feel like I've made a much better choice or I've had a much better attitude about the situation I've been in. And when I have not had that perspective in the situation I'm in, I fall way short. And I I can realize that looking back now at my life and where I've fallen short, it's because I haven't had the perspective to say, oh, this is a, uh, looks like a good opportunity, but it's really not (laughs) drawing me closer to God, which is the only real good possibility. And so I guess just that, that, I don't know, like a, a couple episodes where we talked about self-reflection we we just all need need to be in that same mindset of am i at a place where i am is my relationship with god where it should be simple as that and if it's not then expect god to move in your life and it might not be how you want it to be but it's what you need you can guarantee that so yeah And, and just one more point on why do bad things happen to good people is that is also just a perspective on our earthly life. If you re- truly are a good person, then you're going to receive the best reward there is in being with Christ and God at the end. So, it, and it, and in the moment, because if you're, you're a good person, you're with Christ right then. Exactly, too. exactly. Well, I think that's a really good place to wrap up this episode. Coming up, we'll we'll be looking through the second book of Nephi, chapter one, chapter two, probably coming up soon. I want to thank you for listening, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.